Hello, I'm Jen. This is Gardening Out Loud. It is Monday, July 31st, 2023. It is just after 7 a.m. and a cool morning out here. I'm in my short sleeves. It's a little chilly. Another reminder that summer is speeding along at its own pace. And that sometimes makes me a little panicky. But what better reminder that there is something beautiful on offer all the time than the garden. I've been away from the garden a little bit, both in podcast land, because we had a guest episode last week, and in real life I spent the weekend away. I was staying with friends at their family cottage, and that is one of my absolute favorite things to do. My most blissful ways of being is swimming and paddling and basking on Canadian shield rocks on a quiet lake. I could have stayed up there for a very long time, but there are a couple of things that made me want to come home. One is of course my darling cat, who I miss very much when I'm gone, and the other is the garden. And you know, it's interesting, I've only been gone like two and a half days, but I know when I walk around, I haven't looked yet so we can look together that I'm gonna find so many things that have changed. We also had a huge rain on the weekend, which also can prompt a kind of growth spurt. So let's have a look around. Let's see what's changed in the last couple of days, things I need to update you on from the last couple of weeks and go from there. So one thing that's fun in my side beds is I'm growing some calla lilies for the first time. And these were literally just from one of those pots that you buy in the store. I think these ones are ones that were given to my friend and she left and I let them die back and just stored them that way over the winter. And then once it was nice and hot, I put them out again and planted them in the garden and they are flowering which is kind of neat this is not an experiment I ever have done before so if you find yourself with some potted calla lilies don't think that these are one and done like a lot of the spring bulbs like we've talked about before you can keep enjoying them and they also have these really beautiful leaves which I have a feeling are going to make their way into some flower arrangements for me with this like pale white speckling and a very elegant tapered leaf So all around, a fun little experiment. I can see behind them up one of my chain link fences, the one not under threat. And my mouse melons are almost ready to eat very close. I'm going to say in one to two days, I'm going to be snacking on those little guys, which is such a joy. I did grow them from seed. I probably started them in late May and I put them in my winter sowing containers And after they germinated inside, I let them live outside so that I didn't have to harden them off, but they had the benefit of their little microclimate of their jug. They didn't have to compete against weeds, anything like that. So 
I did that, scooped them out, put them along the fence, forgot about them for a period of time. So they did not get pampered. And I will tell you, they have all grown and they are very resilient. And I think I mentioned they're also volunteers in the garden this year. So we're going to monitor what they're like in the garden versus on the fence. But what resilient little plants? I commend them. Looking out on the garden, I can see that more of the cosmos are blooming, especially the volunteer cosmos. And I love this because this is a defining visual aesthetic of the garden, which I would describe as cosmos exclamation point. Even though this is a food and cut flower garden, the cosmos really give this cheery, buoyant aesthetic to huge sections of the garden. It's so colorful. It's whimsical. If I sit out here watching them kind of flow in the breeze or bob when bees land on them is just really lovely. And so this year I let a few too many self-seed if I'm honest. I will talk about that. But it's still a wave that I'm grateful to see in the garden. The Eliatris, the blazing star, is starting to bloom. Pollinators are going to be all over that. I moved some this year, and so that one's a little bit further behind. But the well-established one, those beautiful white plumes of flowers. These are like a long staff, all covered in tiny little hairy flowers. The bee balm is starting to go over. So we're going from one native plant to the next. There are still some flowers, but I can see the inevitable powdery mildew setting in. That's okay. When the flowers are spent, I'm just gonna cut back the foliage and we'll wait again till next year. The hydrangea is blooming. So I just have one of these. Its purpose is for cut flowers, although I haven't been able to really cut from it yet because it was too young. I don't think that this will be the year either, but maybe next year. And it's nevertheless really rewarding to see it thriving in the spot I put it, as the gardening folks will always remind you it's all about right plant, right place. And in that case, I think I got it right. Okay, let's go out into the main bed. One thing I should mention that happened last week that was exciting was I harvested the garlic. I love growing garlic. It is super easy and super rewarding. So we put in whole big cloves of organic garlic in the fall. Like the bigger the clove, the better, because the bigger the clove, the bigger the head you'll get. And I put in a whole bunch of those in the ground, stick them in in kind of late October before the ground freezes and they have a chance to get established. And then essentially you wait. I mulch them with straw or, and or leaves. And in spring, they're one of the first things to come up, with, which is so cheery and so needed. And then you get the beautiful scapes, which as you know, I make scape pesto from and are such a delicacy. And then sometime in kind of late July, we dig up gently the entire bulbs. And I just think the transition from one single clove to a whole head of garlic feels like magic. And it's really fun to dig them up and see those big juicy cloves that you've made. I'm not eating it yet. I just dig it up, 
and gently bang the dirt off it a little bit. And then they get hung up to cure for about six weeks. And so currently they're hanging up in the basement adjacent stairwell, which has a window. So some fresh air can circulate through. The garlic smell can be a bit powerful. And in about six weeks, I will take off any layers of skin that are dirty, which is just one. Cut off the little roots, which you don't want to do before you hang them. That's important because you can damage the plate on the bottom of the garlic, the growth plate, and that will make the garlic not keep as long. And then they're good to enjoy and they'll last me several months. So just such an incredible crop. If you haven't dug it up now and there are five drive leads at the bottom, that's the kind of metric I use to dig her up. And ideally when it's been a bit dry, I had to compromise and dig them up when we had had spotty rain here and there, which isn't ideal, but that's gardening. You're very rarely working in ideal conditions. So I just made the best decision I could dug it up before these huge dumps of rain we we're going to have. And I'm pretty happy with that. I am sure it will be fine. So if you haven't tried garlic, think about maybe trying it for next year. Even if you just stick a few cloves in your flower beds, they're fine. They'll look great there. I do that too. I have a couple garlic areas, but I also just stick them here and there. Supposedly they're good to grow near your roses because that garlic scent keeps away some of the pests that hurt roses. And I actually don't have generally much pest pressure on my roses. So maybe that's part of it. Also now this bed, I'm going to transition it to growing something else here. Sometimes I do beans. It's getting a bit late for beans though. And so I actually might just wait a couple weeks and plant a salad crop here for the fall. Right now it's still a little hot for salads to germinate, but in I think a couple weeks we'll have turned that corner. The tomatoes are doing great. This one tomato that is in my hand now has outgrown its curly steak, which is my preferred kind of tomato steak. Um, but even that is not tall enough. So I'm going to have to rig something up. Like I'm going to have to probably put another six foot steak attached to it to let it continue to climb because the plant still looks healthy. It looks like it has a lot more business and I'm going to give it some runway to do its thing. That one is the tallest. It is taller than me. It's about mm, six feet tall right now. It's very much bean season, as I was mentioning, and not just any beans. It's time for my favorite beans. These are called dragon's tongue beans. I eat them fresh. They have flat and kind of longish bush beans. And they have these little purple flecks on them. So they're really beautiful. And because I've been away, I'm now harvesting some beans as we talk because beans are pretty much something you harvest every day. And I harvested them right before I left. So I'm not too bad off here, but I'm going to end up with a nice big handful of beans. Oh yeah. Some of them have darker purple markings than other ones. And I actually don't know why that is, but maybe I'll show a picture of these beans because truly they're my favorites. They're delicious. They're beautiful. I mean, what more do you want? Ooh, I can smell the holy basil from here. 
Mm, also called Tulsi. It is a kind of basil, but it's nothing like the Italian basil you might think of. And I grow it for tea. I dry it and I make tisanes out of the leaves. It's the foundation of my house tea. And it's supposed to be a very soothing, very grounding herb. My friend Joshna, when she was here, she said, Tulsi grows in a happy home. And I have never had a problem growing an abundance of Tulsi here. So I hope that is indeed the case. Other big happenings of the last little bit is I ate my first tomato. It was a slicer. It is Cosmonaut Volkov, which is one of my favorite slicing tomatoes. Maybe my favorite slicing tomato. And I had to pick it just a little bit before it was ready because I didn't want the squirrels to get it. And it was raining so much. And a lot of rain can cause your tomatoes to split, which is not desirable. So I went out and harvested it a bit early and it was still magnificent. I will say this plant that it came from is my worst performing plant. I'm not really sure what's happening with him. His leaves are a little pale. He probably needs some nitrogen. So I'm going to give him some seaweed feed. But he still made the first ripe tomato. So it was a sprint, I guess. My basil, a lot of it is not doing so great. I think because we've had so much wetness. And I grow one kind of basil called Eleonora that is resistant to powdery mildew. And boy, does that make a difference. Let me tell you, that is a basil that has staying power. I grew another one called Dolce, which looked just as beautiful and lush in the beginning. And now it's like mostly kaput. So this powdery mildew resistance one, which is a hybrid basil, that means you can't save the seeds it's been bred specifically for this, is 100% worth it. If you're having trouble with that, try getting a basil that is bred for powdery mildew resistance. As I am walking along, I'm just pinching off the suckers in my tomato plants. And the suckers are, if you have the stem and then you have horizontal branches, the suckers grow diagonally out of what I call the armpit of the tomato. If you were growing indeterminate tomatoes, what they want to do is vine everywhere. They want to put up as many stems as they can. And you will quickly find that that is difficult to manage, especially once the stems get heavy with fruit. And so we pinch off all those suckers and say, not here, friend, just stay focused and try and control some of the growth that way. So if your tomato plants are getting a little unruly, look for those diagonal branches and try and cut those back. And then you'll have more likely to have one or two, if sometimes things get a little wild, stems to work with. Okay, I have my first Mexican sunflower. This is Tithonia. Uh, this doesn't look like a regular sunflower, if that's what you've been picturing. Not the big yellow head, not full of seeds. It's closer to a zinnia. And it's bright orange and apparently beloved by hummingbirds, which is part of my game here, butterflies and hummingbirds, because we know I love hummingbirds and would like to invite a few more into my garden without planting the dreaded red flowers. And so 
this is my attempt. We'll see how she goes. Also, the zinnias are coming in really nicely here. I've got a whole range of colors now. They're a little on the small side, which might have something to do with the cosmos that I have let get a little crazy and shade them out a bit. Cosmos are also shading some of my beans. I had naively thought like, well, maybe this will provide some support for my beans because bush beans, once they get fruit on them, tend to flop around. But no, they've mostly provided shade. That said, I'm reaching down. I still have a bunch of beans, but I think I could have been more discerning in which cosmos I let go here because it's definitely affecting the beans and I should really get tough <laughs> and take out a few more of those. I was saying, hopefully I'll have dahlias and listener do I have dahlias? So the winner, oh, we have, we have two in the race now, but the winner was Lakeview Peach Fuzz, which is one of my favorite dahlias. It is so prolific. The color of it, this peachy orange with a little yellow in the back. The form is gorgeous. It's a really feathery one as opposed to having like these bigger distinct petals that has many 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 feathery little petals and she is so elegant and goes in so many different kind of floral arrangements and just makes an abundance of flowers right up to the end she gets a little bit more yellow rather than peach towards the end which is not my preferred coloring but still magnificent and i can also see we have another oh no i got tricked i got tricked from afar this is a a puffy cosmo i think it's called snow puff that has many many petals and from afar it looks like a dahlia but it's not okay so the rest of the dahlias haven't yet entered the fray again the cosmos are probably giving them a bit too much shade so <sighs> i'm gonna have to be tough and i think i'm gonna take out some of those. What starts as this little slip of a thing when it's a Cosmo, especially if you pinch it or branching, can just become an absolute beast in no time. You may wonder what's happening with the fence. And I would tell you, I also would like to know the answer to that question. But basically, I have just let most of my plants resume climbing it. <laughs> Because at this point, there's nothing to be done. If the fence comes out, maybe I'll get to have a little harvest before. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Speaking of harvest, here is a beautiful cucumber. This is a very small, smooth-skinned cucumber. It's called Piccolo. Again, this is a hybrid. I've had a bad time with the powdery mildew, with the bacterial wilt in the garden when it comes to cucumbers. And I love fresh cucumbers. So I decided to try this and oh, this is a beautiful thing. And I can see many more on there. So hopefully before fence destruction hour, whenever that shall be, and before any bacterial wilt gets a hold of it, <laughs> we will get to have some more of these gorgeous baby cucumbers. They look to be a lot 
more thin-skinned, which often these are grown in greenhouses, the thinner-skinned English cucumbers we're used to. Field cucumbers, which is what you usually see in the store unwrapped, have that thicker skin. And that's part of the reason they can be unwrapped. Whereas the English cucumbers are much more delicate and will spoil a lot sooner without the plastic wrap. So, fun fact, that's actually a case where plastic wrap is good for the environment because the food spoilage that would ensue without it would be significant. It's a net positive to have those cucumbers wrapped. But, of course, growing your own, even better. I also have a couple of squash plants that are now scrambling over the ground because they can't climb the fence. And we'll see what they're going to do. <laughs> so many unknowns here. But also, isn't that life? Okay, I think that is enough excitement for one week. I will be back next week with hopefully more bounty to share. Take care this week. Wishing you both lovely escapes and happy returns. Mm -hmm.